You're listening to Transform Your Profits, the podcast for accountants who want to build a more profitable, successful, and impactful accounting firm. Your host is Reza Huda, a practice owner, mentor, and coach to accounting firm owners. Hi there, and welcome to today's podcast, where I have with me Joe David of Nefos Accountants. I'll be talking to Joe about all things advisory, how he delivers advisory in his firm. Joe does something a little bit different from uh, other accountants, and his background is uh, a bit different too. Not the usual practice background, but Joe actually trained and came from industry, but now runs a an accounting firm with a difference. So enough from me and let's get straight into it. And I'll see you on the other side. This is uh, episode, I lose track, I think it's number 10 of uh, Accountants Live with uh, Accountants Doing Great Things. If you're listening on the Facebook Live, put hashtag live in the comments. If you're listening on the podcast, good to have you here. And if you're listening on replay in the, in the group, then put hashtag replay. So today I've got Joe of Nefos Accountants joining me today for this lunchtime session. And Joe's going to be talking about all things to do with advisory, that buzzword of the year, it seems to be in accounting circles. Uh, we all need to be doing advisory. Compliance is dead. So we're going to be unraveling a bit of that today with, uh, with Joe. So Joe, first, just to kick things off, give us a little bit of uh, introduction about yourself, your background, how you came about starting your firm, Nefos, what kind of where you are, what size it is, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, and welcome to everybody here. So, yeah, uh, as, as Rose said, my name is Joe David. Uh, I founded a firm, Nefos, six and a half years ago now, nearly seven, in fact, uh, in, in Cheltenham in the southwest. Uh, my background is industry. So my background is working in, in companies and working in the finance department, management accounts, FD work. Um, and, and to be honest, I never set foot in a practice before I set up my own. So, um, <laughs> the way I've tried to set up and run this practice is, is very different to what I expect and see from a lot of the traditional, um, practices. Our, our mindset is, is completely advisory focused. And we actually call ourselves a, a firm of business advisors rather than a firm of accountants, because that's where, you know, my background and my, you know, my experience comes from. So, um, yeah, we've got, uh, just under 200 clients um some people might be thinking 200 business advisory clients sounds fun but actually it's not quite as fun as that you know we did when we built the practice as much as the business advisory side was part of our our core offering naturally we picked up a lot of compliance-based work about returns tax returns and stuff like that so of those 200 a lot of those are you're still your basic uh compliance-based stuff uh as nine of us in the team uh yeah that's a bit about who we are how long have you been going, Joe? When did you when did you set up? So January 2014 was the okay. um, day we started, yeah. Yeah. All right. So just over six years. But you've done amazing to get to, to a team of nine and, and 200 clients. So that's really interesting, actually, because um, like you said, you had, a, you had no practice experience, no practice background, mm. and yet you decided to set up your own accounting firm, knowing that you would have to do all the things that a typical kind of accounting firm owner 
uh, does. Uh, so how did you get around that? How did you ensure that you still had the ability to provide those sort of compliance services to your clients, yet getting them in and providing the lucrative uh, advisory stuff? Did you kind of build a team right from the outset or outsource it? What did you do? So the the starting point for the reason for the firm was to, what I actually thought I was going to do was it consult a day, two days, a week or a month or whatever in businesses as a kind of virtual FD, but going in and, you know, outsourcing a little bit. That's what I thought I was going to do. Very quickly, you realize you can't scale your own time. So that for me was not, you know, I've got an entrepreneurial mindset and, and that for me was not a scalable business. So at that point, I had to rethink how I approached it because I couldn't scale really easily on that basis. So in the, without, you know, dumbing down the compliance-based work, you know, as accountants and as we train, regardless of whether that's in industry or in practice, we understand the basics of producing a set of accounts, producing a back return, and the quirks and the queries that came off the bat were very minimal. And I, I have a tax advice line, and they were the main questions around tax and, and the application of certain things, um, which I use a tax advice line for. So from day one, we didn't outsource anything. We don't outsource either now. Um, and yeah, it took about probably about 18 months, not quite, to hire the first person. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of bedroom paperwork and that sort of stuff for quite a long time. But mm-hmm. then we hired somebody and then it kind of went from there. Okay. Oh, brilliant. So you, I guess you've done it kind of backwards in a way, which perhaps is, um, yeah, because most accountants, they kind of start off doing the compliance work and then they realize actually the money is in the advisory stuff and then start to branch out and do all the, the lucrative FD and FC type services. So, so talk to me about kind of, you know, how did you go about finding clients in those early days? How were you able to find the kind of clients for whom advisory was something that they're willing to pay for? Did that, were you quite specific as to who your ideal client was and what marketing techniques did you deploy to go and find those type of clients? Yeah, so we were, or oh, I say we, it was me, but, you know, we were specific in what we wanted. And, and the thing that spoke volumes for me was uh, for the clients to, to me was the experience that I had and that I was different. And, and I know that I don't want to, I didn't want to use the word different because everybody in accountancy at the moment says they're different for one way or another. But at the time, six years ago of me offering that service, it was, it wasn't like your typical firm in the area. Do you know what I mean? All the typical firms in the area offered the typical services. So for me to come along and say, I understand what you're talking about. You know, I'm sat in a client's office today. Um, they're a manufacturing business and I understand what they're talking about because I worked in manufacturing. Do you know what I mean? I was part of the fundamentals. So we can have conversations with the production manager that I, I understand that other people may not. So that really helped in the, in the marketing, if you like, the conversations I, were have, I was having with people. I understood what they were talking about. Um, but the key thing was was networking and I went networking and I, I don't do networking very often anymore, but I went networking and it was, I would speak to people and like I say, I would relate to them and they would relate to me. And then that, the conversation started from there. Mm. Yeah, a bit of an alien concept these days, isn't it? Networking since the- I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Networking was that. Yeah. Brilliant. So, so in terms of the, okay, so let's talk a little bit about the how. How did you- package up your services to make it desirable for the clients that you were going after? Was it, 
at the time, was it kind of, you know, um, I will provide an outsource FD function for you, or I come in once a week or half a day a week or, or whatever the case may be, or, or was it another way? And then how has that evolved since the early days and, and what are you doing now? So the honest answer is how did we package it up in the early days? We did that. And for those on the podcast, you know, I'm putting my finger in the air and seeing what happens, you know, seeing which way the wind's blowing today. You know, it, it was very, very much around who are you? What do you want? What, not what do I think I can get away with in a bad way, but what do I think I can price and still win this work? Do you see what I mean? And, and that jumping quickly onto, the, onto where we are now, which are, and I'll go back, was that's extremely different to where we are now. However, and I listened to um, Carl Reader's podcast with you recently, and, and somebody asked at the end what they would do differently today, what he would do differently today if he started today. And one of the things he said was, don't price your mates at the low fee because then you build a firm and a culture based on low fees. And we kind of did that in the early stages because we needed clients and because we wanted people in the door, we priced it at the time that was fine for me on my own with no office, but had no scalability to it. So in the very early stages, we won't work because we were cheaper and I was more relatable than, than the typical accountant around the corner. Now, that has evolved dramatically, as you can imagine, since then. But that was the basis of how we won't work in the, in the first instance was kind of price it to win it if that makes sense <laughs> and so how how did you price it in reality was it kind of on a day rate was it time-based was it uh, using any other uh, pricing um, methodology so at the time again it was based on on timesheets and um and day rates and um again that was a lot cheaper than it than it is now and the reason for that, and we still, in our firm, we still do timesheets. I know there's a lot of debates around timesheets, but we, we do them for profitability analysis and, um, and, that, and simply that. But we do have clients like the one I'm at today. We're working on a project. The only way to price the project I'm doing today is on time because uh, there is no fixed outcome. Do you know what I mean? It's, there's, I mean, there is a, a bigger goal, but ultimately there's, there's little steps along the way. So, um, so we, yeah, at the time we used timesheets to say, how long do I think it's going to take me to perform this role and how much does that equate to and how much money do I want to make from it? That was how we did it. Yeah. And, and has your mindset evolved over time from a day rate to more of a, you know, a fixed, uh, pricing methodology on uh, on say other clients where you are kind of clearly defined as to what the scope is yeah completely and and you know it was very quick that we you know we were fixed fee very quick we were we were cloud-based from day one we were we were direct debit from if not day one day 60 type do you know what i mean we were so so to say we were timesheet based is is unfair but on those particular jobs that had a much broader scope there wasn't, please do a VAT return and a tax return. It was, please, you know, transform my whole finance function for me. There was much more, because I was new to it, new to charging for it. I didn't know how to charge it. The only way I felt right was, was timesheet. So now, yeah, now we are hugely package-based. Um, we have compliance packages and we have advisory packages. And if you want both, they get added together to give you a total monthly fee. Um, they're transparent. They're open. We, we show them to prospects and to clients. And, and within that package, they get, certain services on certain periods of time if that makes sense mm. 
Sure. Okay. So talk to us a bit about, I'm guessing you lead with the advisor, right? Because that's what, yeah. that's where your value proposition is in terms of delivering that high level FD work. So, you know, what does that look like? How, what do those packages look like? How have you packaged them up? Is it by, by turnover? Do you go through a process of defining scope by asking questions? Yeah. Talk to me about, about, you know, what do your packages look like for the advisor? Yeah. So, so if I first talk about the packages themselves and then we'll talk about how they, how people fit into those. So, so like I say, we've got our compliance packages and you've got, you know the minimum fee is 150 plus VAT and zero um and that is for you know kind of basic no VAT returns a basic bookkeeping every quarter and an annual set of accounts for a limited company pretty much that's pretty much what you get for that right um and then that goes up based on frequency of bookkeeping and transactional base of bookkeeping and all that sort of stuff not not hugely but to to a point and then we've got so they're kind of a side note then we've got our advisory packages so our, our first package is our starter package, which is six monthly advisory. So that's a six monthly fathom report, six monthly, we use clarity as well, six monthly clarity review and action plan with the client. Um, and that's just to keep them accountable for their business at a six month point and at the year end point effectively. Um, and then we go up to a quarterly package, a monthly package. And then above that, we've got our kind of bespoke business modeling. Uh, we'll sit down with you. We'll go through every nook and cranny of your business and we'll help you understand the the ins and outs and you know for example last week we same client with now we did a stock take you know i was here on the ground helping with that stock take not necessarily counting but making sure going around that everybody was doing the right thing and that's all from my experience so that falls into our highest tier package and that's a bespoke service for that particular client so the way that works then is we have that scoping call or we've got a scoping form um they fill that out and give us a bit of information about their business depending on what they want me or one of the team will call them and then talk through that scoping form. And at that point, we will then share our document with them, which shows them the packages. Um, and at that point, we then discuss where we feel. Because at the end of the day, it's all very well me saying, you fit into this category. If they don't feel they do, and if they don't feel the price is right for them, it doesn't matter what I think. And we want buy-in from day one. So I say, this is where I think you fit. Where do you think? They say here, if it's lower, I ask them to justify why they think it's lower, why they think they should fall into the lower package. You see what I mean? So we have that open conversation. And then eventually we come to a middle ground where we agree. Um, and sometimes that's immediately at the same point. Um, and, and that's how we then get to the, the final price. Okay. And what do those uh, price points look like then for your starter package all the way up to your business modeling so the, package? Yeah so, the start of, yeah, so the starter package is 200 a month. Mm-hmm. um so if so if we take it and, and, and let's say the, the the bespoke so they're all from <laughs> um the bespoke one is 1850 but that is very much a from <laughs> um because you know with the 18 you know if, for example the client i'm with today you know we've got 1850 let's say as the package with them and then i spend a day and a half last week helping them with a stock take that's outside of the scope of that retainer do you see what i mean because that's a real bespoke project they've asked me to be involved in so there are there are differences to it but let's just assume someone wants the middle package of of um, bookkeeping and the starter package of, of advisory they would pay roughly 300 pounds let's say for the compliance side they'd pay 200 pounds a month for the um for the advisory side so their total bill would be 500 quid a month and that's excluding software and, and that and they will get let's say quarterly bookkeeping with that package and they'll get this six monthly advisory work as well. Mm. And what, uh, what form does that advisory work 
take? So you mentioned management accounts. Does it include quarterly meetings? Does it include unlimited support to you? What things does your typical kind of starter, middle and premium package include? Yeah, so the starter package, will, like I say, will include this six monthly report. So you'll get a six monthly Fathom report with commentary. And that will come on to what I think real advisory is in a minute. Um, and you'll get a six monthly clarity review and action plan off the back of that. And then in theory, that's all they get, if you like. And then the next talking point is the next six month point where they get those two things again. Now, in reality, that's why I said in theory, in reality, what we want to do is help them. You know, I don't want to just give them a six monthly report, walk away and not, not talk to them. So in reality, if they've got questions, if they've got concerns, I'd rather we help them on the journey. So the six month point was realistic. Mm-hmm. and then they see the value in what we've done and they continue paying for it, then we say, see you in six months. They don't do it. And then they go, well, you're adding no value because we didn't do it. Do you know what I mean? And then they don't want to pay it anymore. So whilst we say it's a six monthly um, package, naturally there are much more touch points in the communication. And also, you know, most of these people we're doing, we, we don't have very many clients where we don't do the bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because we want to control the input so we can control the output. Um, so most people are paying us, let's just say, at a minimum of a quarterly bookkeeping package. Mm-hmm. So at minimum, they're getting a quarterly conversation anyway around the VAT and the bookkeeping and, um, and they can always raise questions and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Brilliant. So, you know, I'm with you on that in terms of, you know, us doing the bookkeeping. I think times have come now where, whereas previously the, it was the, you know, it was kind of beneath most accountants to provide bookkeeping services, but, you know, the landscape has completely changed. And now I think whoever, whoever owns the numbers, whoever has control over the numbers owns that relationship. And we can provide a lot more value if we're in control of that and we can systemize it and make it efficient, which means we have the opportunity to have more touch points with a client on a more regular basis. And we can provide it much more uh, profitably than ever before. Um, So just going back to the scope where you mentioned, okay, you've got set packages. Uh, I think you use practice edition, don't you, to do your- Yeah, we do, yeah. So do you, so you don't have a live software-based approach to come up with a price with the customer in person, but you have these packages. How do you then determine what is, so you've clearly got what's in scope. How do you advise a client at that point when you're having that conversation, what is outside scope? You know, how do you explain that? Um, yeah. And that is, that is the most challenging part, as I'm sure you know, as well, from running your practice, that that is the most challenging part of any client conversation. How do you, how do you get across you're a fixed fee-based business with add-ons. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, and that, and that's the real challenge is like, because ultimately we don't want to have add-ons. Ultimately we don't want to be charging people outside of, outside of scope. Now that is precisely why we still run timesheets. Okay. So perfect example. So we've got a client, a uh, photography and video production client, right? And they pay us um, about a grand a month-ish. Um, it's just over 12 a year. Uh, that they pay us management accounts, you know, all that sort of stuff and, uh, you know, regular touch points and and whatnot. Now, what we do with them is we run the timesheet for the whole year and we add lines to the timesheet as to the jobs we're performing. At the end of the year, we go, we spent 14 grand in time on that client and we sit down with them and we have a chat about it and we go, right, these things were actually outside the scope, but we did them because it all felt within the retainer and it was a decent retainer and blah, 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 blah. And then when we've had that conversation, we make a decision on whether the retainer needs to go up 
or whether they were outside the scope. Now we're going to bring that down to be quarterly reviews with these people because as you well know, you know, if you do it in January and you're not reviewing it till the following January, that's a really challenging conversation, but it's just been resource. We haven't been able to do it any sooner than that. So the way we do it at the moment, rightly or wrongly, is we will do the work in most cases, we will do the work and it will fall in the retainer. And then we'll have that discussion post about whether the retainer needs to increase or whether that was ad hoc and they need to pay a fee for that, for that work. Because if they're on the advisory side, there's very little in principle that they won't get in their retainer, depending on the level they're at, if that makes sense. And if they're on the, t- the only one that's got a real question mark over it is the top one, because there's nothing above it, if that makes sense. If you're on the quarterly one and you start wanting monthly management accounts, you have to go to the monthly one. Just, just see what I mean? So in principle, most of it will fit within a retainer. And then if there's real stretching of that, we'll have that conversation but that conversation around that, how we do that is had at the start. So everybody knows how we will track our time and how we'll then have a conversation with them later. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. I understand. Interesting. There's a question here from Alistair asking, I would be interested, quite interested to hear what sort of margins you are making in the business. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a really good question. When we priced up the... Um, uh, the advisory stuff we actually we did work out um, out the margins on all of them and gross margin wise we were looking at about 60% on the advisory packages um, we probably aren't delivering on that at the moment we're probably delivering more 40 I would say um, just based on efficiencies within our own business but that is our, our goal is to be at 60% on the advisory packages mm, sure thanks for sharing that joke so and do you go after a certain niche or are you quite flexible with the industry sector that your clients are in? And it's more about, I guess, niching by activity. So you are looking for clients who would be a good fit for this particular added value service that you're offering. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's the second one because they've got to have an IVE technology. They've got to be willing to be involved in technology in some way, shape or form, because that's how our business operates. Um, and they've got to have a willingness to, to change and they've got to have a willingness because most cases that we're taking on, we're taking them on because they want something different. If you know what I mean, that we're not taking them on because they want the same thing they're currently getting, because if they're getting it already, why would they need us to do it for them? Do you see what I mean? Um, so in most cases we're taking them on to make a difference and to, and to add value and to make a change. So they've got to be willing to change and be willing to embrace technology mm-hmm. is the key. So naturally that goes to digital marketing. Um, recruitment is quite a good one. Um, but we're in, like I say, we're in a manufacturing business now. You know, a lot of manufacturing businesses don't want to embrace change and don't want to embrace technology. But these guys are absolutely loving it. So, you know, we're making a real difference here. Yeah, absolutely. And where do you get, you know, how do you find these type of clients? Because often it's the case that, you know, most accountants want these type of advisory clients but they struggle to find them and they struggle to land these clients. And they're wondering, you know, how on earth do we go about trying to find these clients who are willing to pay for advisory, who are willing to pay, you know, four figures a month on uh, a retainer packages to, uh, to service them in this way. How do you go about finding them? I think without being controversial here, the reason is that the reason people can't find them is because they don't know what they're looking for. Because the, the problem we've got in the industry at the moment is everybody is told they have to do advisory. 
And that is the wrong, for me, that's the wrong approach. The right approach is that people need to understand what advisory is. And if you know what advisory is, which we believe we do, the people will come to us because of our message, who we, what we talk about, the type of things we discuss, if you know what I mean, in our, in our marketing and in, our, in my LinkedIn posts and things like that, that we're attracting the right people. And that's because it's in here. It, advisory is ingrained in me because it's what I did, you know. Um, and, you know, I listened to your one with Alistair, if Alistair was Alistair Barlow that asked that question, which I imagine it is based on the question. Um, you know, he said similar sort of thing. You know, he came through that and got that experience and that he can then use you know, in, in his business. And the same for us here, you know, our, our first thought is advisory. So naturally, you kind of are what you think, you are what you believe, if that makes sense. So I think at the moment, a lot of accountants are thinking, I have to do this. And therefore, they're not looking in the right place, because they're not thinking in the right way. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, absolutely. and that's, I'm not trying to criticize. what I'm trying to do is say, if you start thinking like a business owner, if you start thinking like an advise, you know, an advisory based business and what that person wants from you and how you can help them, then you'll start looking in the right places. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, often people think that advisory is this kind of, you know, this high level kind of McKinsey Bain type consulting activity that they need to do that they think, Oh, I can't do that because I'm just a lowly accountant. There's no way I can do what these big uh, investment firms are doing. But actually, it's not that. And it's just how we do what we do. We can do advisory from compliance. By, yeah, from of course, that, yeah. You can turn a VAT return or a set of accounts into advisory by actually communicating to a client in words that they understand about you know, how they can be more efficient when it comes to the direct taxes or indirect taxes and actually helping them along the way. Um, it doesn't have to be these glorified services that you know, people think they have to deliver. So what kind of things are you doing in your marketing? And are you actually getting results from it? So are you through social media marketing? What kind of activities are you doing to generate inquiries from these type of ideal clients? So slowly we get is the answer to your question about getting traction. Very, very, very slowly. But that's mainly because we're not consistent at it. Um, so again, it comes back to there's two elements to it. There's the personal branding piece. So there's my experience and my knowledge and my uh, thoughts, if you like. And then there's the business and what we offer uh, as a team. So our, our business marketing at the moment is very kind of fluffy and just a bit of brand awareness who are we where are we some nice little motivational things and you know little things like that just to get the brand out there and then um we we hired in march um uh, a management accountant out of industry um to help the team and you know for example him and i are doing a series on management accounting so we've done a specific blog series and video series on management accounts what it means difference between that and a standard set of accounts but then on the personal side of things I am trying to post and share content that makes me seem like a leader and a and you know an expert in in all things business. So last week I did one on goal setting, for example, and like why setting goals is important for your business. In a sense, has nothing about accountancy, but that gives the impression to a business owner that I am then a thought leader in the in in the space of adding value. So the interesting point you just made that about you know making advisory from a VAT return you know we had a client ring us the other day and say we've seen your advisory work being posted out we want advisory and I was like I thought it's a bit strange because they just I say just but they just own a few properties you know Mm -hmm. so I wonder what they want from that and we had the conversation with them it turns out they wanted tax advisory 
And they saw the word advisory as advice on tax, if you like. So we've then got to tweak our message a little bit to make sure that what we're suggesting we can do is around the business advisory. And, the, and that was learning for us to, to make sure we're giving the right message. Clearly, we gave the wrong message mm-hmm. in that terminology, if that makes sense, because the client thought we were doing something different. So, yeah, for me, it's about sharing, commenting, being active in the spaces that we want to be active in being a thought leader in these spaces. So commenting on business issues, because people are always posting business issues on LinkedIn all the time. They're posting things about, you know, the problem they've got or this scenario or that scenario. Um, And it's commenting on those and offering some real value to people. Um, And yeah, that's, we're very, very early days on that. So I can't comment too much on it, but it is very slow going. So so where is the majority of your kind of new business coming from at the moment? Is it still from um, referrals? referrals? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, okay. So going on to the actual uh, delivery side of things, you know, talk to us a bit about how do you actually deliver the advisory services that, uh, you know, you talk about practically? Yeah. So I did a, um, a conversation with Dave Selleck um, at, uh, for those who know him, um, at Digital Accounts Week. And I made a point of saying one of our core advisory apps, if you like, is Receipt Bank, because I really want people to understand, you know, for me, automating the start is the way for us to make sure we can deliver the end if that makes sense you know we're spending hours and hours and hours bookkeeping we can't deliver it we won't have the time to deliver the added value services on top so we make sure that everything is you know bank ruled in zero auto publish from receipt bank where where applicable and all these sorts of things so that our our bookkeeping is done to a standard that we expect standardized chart of accounts across certain industries so again we can get the data out of systems very easily because the key thing is getting the information into zero so we can take it out really easy. Um, and then we use um, a combination of uh, Fathom um, for our reporting. So our board pack production is done all in Fathom, and I'll come on to that in a sec. Our, uh, we do, For our smaller clients, we use Clarity to help them understand those seven key numbers that, that Clarity discuss and then build action plans off the back of that. Um, and we use the famous accounting software called Excel um, as, a, as a big part. So every forecast we produce is in Excel. Um, we're yet to find a forecasting software that we agree with. We're yet to find a forecasting software that will be accurate enough for what we want to do. Um, and so what we tend to do is do a lot of the work in Excel. We do a lot of download, manipulation, and upload. So we do a lot of download from zero, manipulate in Excel, upload into Fathom to report it. Um, because that we find Fathom is, is from our perspective, is, is the nicest and, uh, you know, most uh, kind of client friendly, let's call it, way of presenting data. Mm-hmm. Because it's pretty, they like the graphs, it, you know, it, it comes across well. And if they're, it comes back to everything, you know, I talked to this about one of my members of the team the other day. If we present something well, people believe it. If you present something clunky, people start to question because they don't get it. As soon as they look at it and they think they understand it, they believe it. Just, just see what I mean. Mm. As soon as you present it in a clunky, unreadable, whatever the word is, manner, people start to question it because they don't understand it. And for me, that's really important that we present things professionally that look good, that make sense, and that a normal person can understand because we forget as accountants that we do know a lot of information that, and a lot of technology, tech, tech, not technology, um, you know, I'm saying technical words and things like that, that other people don't understand. 
Um, you know, I mentioned balance sheet to these guys here. They're a seven million pound manufacturing business, and the MD was like, "What's balance sheet?" Like, you know, and I kind of mentioned it in a conversation, thinking he obviously knows what a balance sheet is, but actually he doesn't. Do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, so I'm rambling a bit there, but our, so our, our main process tends to be for the higher level stuff: get it out of zero into Excel, manipulate it, and report that back to the client in in Fathom or, or equivalent. Mm. Excellent. Yeah, I think you're. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's some some good points there in terms of yeah, it falls back to the to the point about you know the bookkeeping and actually managing the finance function and being control of that as being the foundation and the fundamentals of advisory because you can't provide advisory off a shaky foundation. And if you're relying on the client to manage the finance function and do the bookkeeping, then you're never going to be able to provide true advisory because you can't rely on the numbers that are in front of you and actually take it on board or ensuring that you've got a retainer to, to cover off reviewing it, whatever the case may be, that is fundamental. And that is a huge growth area for us. I mean, you know, we, we've had the same, we actually knocked, we used to be registered auditors. We knocked that on the head two years ago because it was, you know, frankly, um, a ball ache, um, you know, scrutiny from the Institute. Clients mm. hated it because it wasn't giving them any value. And I thought, right, we'll knock this on the head and we'll actually make more money doing bookkeeping. And we have, and you can make bookkeeping into a highly profitable service if you package it up in the right way and you use it as a springboard to provide all these advisory services that you've been A hundred percent. Now there are firms out there and I, you know, I know them and they know me and we speak regularly that offer advisory services without bookkeeping because of the types of clients that they're working with and the types of people that are within those organizations, do you see what I mean? That means they don't have to deliver um, the bookkeeping in order to deliver the advisory. So I completely understand when people say, I don't deliver bookkeeping, but I deliver high level advisory. For our practice, the types of clients we're picking up are, are traditionally more at the smaller end um, and growing. We, they don't understand the bookkeeping. So like you say, if we can automate that, and the same here, you know, I'm in this place today. Um, and I said to, to one of the girls who's a bookkeeper here, you need to, as finance need to control the narrative, not stock control people, not the production people, finance because there's errors in their financial figures because of stuff that the production team haven't done properly and they've just allowed that to happen in the finance team and i'm saying no we control the narrative in the finance team because if we control the narrative we control the output and therefore we can give good advice and it's as simple as that in my opinion Mm, yeah absolutely it's all about you know we say we want to be that trusted advisor well how do you get to that point you get to that point by being the the first person that the client thinks of when they have a problem. If yeah. you are the one that they are calling and you're the one that has the most touch points with them, they will call you for their problems, whatever they may be, and you'll become that trusted advisor. And the more touch points you have, the more problems you're sol- solving, you'll, be, you'll have that position which then elevates you and amplifies the value that you're providing for a client, which is you know everyone's uh, goal at the end of the day. So just to, um, I think we're past the half hour mark. So just to wrap this up, what, um, you know, what uh, kind of one, two, three pieces of advice would you have for accountants who perhaps want to break into advisory? What would you say to them? How do they go about doing so? Give them your words of wisdom. I think there's a few things. And I think one of the things, there's two really key things I want to, I want to mention here. And the second one's a bit more controversial than the first The first one is start small, like, you know, and it sounds obvious, but 
like you said earlier, Reza, we are in the place, we are in the prime position. If there's any business market you could be in where you are in control of seeing some information and being able to upsell off the back of it, we are in that position because we can see the numbers in front of us and we are all accountants. We're all smart people. We need to use that brain that we've got, that clearly we've got to be qualified accountants to then use that to offer support and advice. No matter how small you think it might be, run a PL off zero for one of your clients that you know is up to date in real time and read it, compare it to the last few periods, compare it to the last couple of years, see what it looks like and just highlight the bits that you think look a bit strange. And then have a little look into those and go, that's a bit strange. I wonder what, and then all of a sudden you'll start to build this picture of what is going on within that business. The only way you'll be able to offer true advisory if you know what's going on inside that business. And the only way to do that is to look through transactions and understand and ask questions and then ask those questions to that client. You know, and at the early stages, you could even do that if you want to do it for free, you know, as in you don't want to, you know, charge and just say, so I noticed this on your PL, you know, your salary, you know, we had the conversation again. I keep using this client from in their office and I keep thinking about it. But you know, we were talking earlier and their um, direct labor is significantly lower at the moment than their indirect labor. And I noticed it. So that's you know, direct labor, the people that are making the stuff, indirect labor being the people that are sat in the offices. And I noticed it and I was like, that's a bit strange. Had a conversation with them about it. And then when we talked about it, it was fairly obvious because when they furloughed people back in March, the main people that were furloughed were the direct labor. The main people that weren't furloughed were the indirect labor. So actually it makes sense that year to day. But the fact that we asked the question meant that we were making sure we weren't missing anything. So it might be as simple as that, but just use zero, use QuickBooks, whatever you use. I keep using zero because we're 100% zero, but, um, and automate that process at the start. Automate receipt bank. Don't hesitate. You know, the amount of counselors that are still hesitating on automation of receipt bank, get out there and do it. Do it properly and, and think about it and it'll take you a bit of time. But once you've done it, once you set up those supplier rules, once you set up those bank rules, you'll be smashing out the bookkeeping in no time and you'll be able to go out and, and deliver the, the higher value services by showing your value to that client. And you need to be not afraid to show that value. You need to show them that you know what you're talking about and you've got much more about you than a few clicks on a computer and a VAT return getting submitted because that's what a lot of people think that we do. Um, so that's the first point. The second point is don't, and this is the controversial one, is don't be sold by these software companies that are going to tell you that if you buy their software, you can deliver advisory and do no work to deliver it because it's a lie. And I'm not going to name software companies' names on your show because it's probably unfair, but there are companies out there that are telling you if you buy their software, they'll do particular tasks for you without you doing anything, which means you can offer it to your clients for free or very cheap and you are now a business advisor and that is a lie business true business advisory is understanding the crooks of that business and thinking and using this thing we've got here and thinking about it and giving advice that is what advisory is not running a few reports and emailing it to the client so i think that's really important as well because i see it all the time and you probably know what i'm talking about where people are offering free if it's free, where's the value? How are they offering it for free? You know, the value in what we do is that we think about it and we offer a real thoughts on what we genuinely think about that business. And I'm really passionate about that point, which is why I get a bit frustrated with it because at the moment, there's a lot of software companies trying to make it easy to do advisory. And that isn't what advisory is. We're not trying to do it easy. We're trying to do it properly. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I'm really passionate about that point. Thank you, Joe. Was there a third one? 
Or was it just two? Uh, well, I got too passionate about the second one, so now I've probably <laughs> forgotten about the third one. Don't worry about it. I, th- I think you're spot on in terms of the, you know, advisory is, uh, yeah, it's all about, you know, fundamentally, it's about asking questions. It's about being curious. It's about advice. Absolutely. And asking and, and getting and, and actually the problem is for the last 20, 30 years, accountants have been become complacent. They've got too comfortable with the recurring fee model that we do year end and we say, thank you very much. See you again next year. And as long as we haven't cocked up, the client will come back again. Times have changed. We've got to actually step up to the game and actually do what we were trained to do. We were trained yeah. to interpret a PL. We were trained to be curious to, to do you know, actually provide business advice. And we are well positioned to do so. A lot of accountants shy away from it because they don't think they can, but they absolutely can because they're running their own businesses. They're seeing business day in, day out. They've got so many clients. You've got so many clients that you're dealing with. You can absolutely do this kind of stuff that Joe has talked about. So- Yeah, and I think, sorry to jump in. I think the other key thing as well is if you can afford to hire, hire from industry. That's what we've done. 90% of our staff, I mean, there's only nine of us, but, you know, are from industry. That is our first point of hiring is industry because we get the right mentality and the right people through the door. So if you can afford to hire or in the position of hiring and you yourself feel not 100% comfortable with that advisory piece and you want some support on it, hire from industry and buy in the support that you can, you know, that you can use to help grow that side of the business. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. We've done exactly the same thing. Hired from industry and built a, a virtual finance office team. And that is the most profitable arm of the practice. Exactly. So- Absolutely, you know, hire people who are better than you, who have a different skill set to you, who can actually do this kind of stuff and add real value to clients. So, Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much for spending the time today. If people Thanks want to me. connect with you and get in touch, where where should they where should they go? Yeah, just the usual place. As a business, we're all over the all of the socials: Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. Personally, find me on LinkedIn um, and yeah, or nephosaccountants.co um give us a shout um you know one thing i'm really passionate about is helping other people so if anyone want if anyone's got any questions ask in the group speak to me on linkedin i'm more than happy to share anything that we've got because at the end of the day there's enough out there for us all to go and smash it and help all these businesses that need our help so shout me and i'm more than happy to help Absolutely. Thank you so much, Joe. So uh, as you heard, if you've got any questions for Joe, feel free to put them in the comments below. If you're in the group, if you're listening to this on the podcast, then you can reach out to Joe on LinkedIn and uh, connect with him there. And he'll be more than happy to share with you. If you've listened on the podcast, you can come and join the Facebook group. Similarly, if you've listened on the Facebook group, come and uh, listen to the other episodes that we have on the podcast, which is Transform Your Profits for Accountants. Thank you very much for joining us today. And I'll see you in the next episode. Take care and have a great week. Thank you for listening. For more free content, videos, and resources, visit www.rezahuda.com. And if you haven't already, come and join the community in our Transform Your Profits Facebook group, where we support each other to build more successful, profitable, and impactful accounting firms.